welcome back to the Team GPT podcast. We're gonna take it. We're gonna be mellow today. I'm your host, Syed, with my friends Brian and Brian. I'm trying something new. And by new, we got special guest, also a good friend of mine, Simon. Simon, what's going on? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it, sounds like you're gonna be it sounds like you're on the radio waiting for the call for the people calling in, like from that skit from SNL. Yes. The sweaty balls. Yes. I mean, if people want to shoot me a text, be like, hey, can you ask this question on the con- on the on the podcast? Give us great content. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll drop a number in the description of this video for those who actually watch our YouTube videos. <laughs> surprise, surprise. There's a text number that you can send questions to. Is it my te- is it my number? Yes, it is your number. <laughs> I'm not putting my number on there. We're gonna dox somebody. We should dox Ryan. That's <laughs> this is your podcast. Your name's in the background. I anyway, know, I know. Anyway, I thought it'd be a nice change of pace to bring Simon here. Both you and Ryan have existed outside of. I mean, most people have, but existed training outside of the powerlifting realm, and we usually focus on powerlifting. But I wanted to get your guys' perspective on when we're not training via only powerlifting, how are we approaching training programs? What are we doing? And sort of what it is to exist outside of a uh, life in powerlifting, but in other athletics? Weird question. I get it. Silence. (laughs) Brian, you want to start? I mean... I feel like we can, like, we've, you were a part of the gym before I even joined, but I mean, your, your path was always baseball in the gym. So yeah, maybe you can kind of give us a background as uh, how you found the gym and, and, and what you're up to now. Yeah. Uh, Ryan was my JV baseball coach. Um, and uh, I was and am a pretty skinny, twerpy kid. Uh <laughs> And it was it was very abundantly clear from the first day of tryouts that I was like skill wise very good at pitching. I, um, I was a pitcher, and uh, strength wise, just blow away in a stiff breeze. Right, just not. And Ryan knew, and as those of us who know Ryan well. Uh, can attest. Ryan told me that uh, early and often, um, but no, that, that was how I that was how I initially found the gym back when it was just in the garage. Right? Was I I knew unequivocally if I wanted to pursue baseball beyond high school, the number one thing standing in my way was strength, and uh, I found the gym and just a, a small group of people crammed into a tiny little garage with a squat rack and a bench and a glute ham that uh, were all showing up every single day trying to get stronger. And that was, that was exactly what I needed. Right. And um, all throughout high school and frankly, all throughout college, uh, the number one impact piece for me in my career was just pure strength. So frankly, fitting in 
or pretending to fit in with the powerlifting group was, was about right. It was about what I needed. And, um, I ended up playing in college and playing three years of minor league baseball. And now, um, I, I'm a pitching coach in the minor leagues with the Cincinnati Reds, um, working primarily with, uh, our rehab department. Um, and, uh, our minor league pitchers are healthy pitchers and our hurt pitchers. Um, and that, that background of, of, uh, strength training, basically just growing up in GPT, uh, in the different iterations of that gym, when we went from the garage to the first, um, outside of Ryan's parents' house iteration to now the, the current, the current setup, right. Um, it was, that was, that was my understanding of what it meant to, pursue baseball was just to pursue strength. Um, so that's, that's the background. And then to answer your question a little bit, Syed, or at least start to, um, I think depending on where people are at on sort of the spectrum of like skill specific aptitude and athleticism, right. It, there's not always a gigantic difference between what, uh, needs to be addressed for powerlifting versus what needs to be addressed for a 165 pound high school kid who wants to play division one baseball. Right. There's just the main difference is how many plates actually go on the bar. Um, I, that's, that's kind of what I got. It's hard for me to be so nice right now. So I'm trying not to be <laughs> me. Um, 165. Remember when you lied to me and told me that, and that you were and then months down the road, you're like, actually, when I started, I weighed 130, and I was like, holy shit, 130. That's that's a small human. Um, but no, I mean, like, if you're going to talk about strength, I mean, the last the last deadlift that I can remember you doing around May was you you pulled 500. Um, so it's not like there's there weren't. <laughs> Depending on the lift, there were enough plates on the bar. There weren't many. Like, I don't. I never let you bench. Um, I think you might have done a little bit when you were older, but I didn't let you bench. Um, no, I think like I've got a couple interns at the gym right now, and we were talking about how like, you know, depending on what, what sport you're doing, you obviously have like specific things to that sport. So, powerlifting and baseball are going to be there's different requirements, but like. And what I've said on the podcast several times is like powerlifting's weird because it 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 the training is the sport. Where for baseball, like you lifting was had nothing to do with your sport, but that that general training, you need it. You know, like you were like you said. Yeah, I mean, your modesty came through and how good you were when you were fourteen, but like you uh, you looked like you were nine, so you had the skill level of someone 22 and you had the physicality of someone nine. We had to bring that up. Um, and that was like, I remember you saying like in between your, uh, your junior and senior year, when you went down to, I think it was Georgia for with uh, baseball, you and like the coaches didn't recognize you after a year because they couldn't believe how much harder you were throwing. They're like, we re remember that wind up, but that can't be him. Cause he's throwing so much harder. And your coach was like, no, that's him. Like same kid. Um, and that's where, like, to me, like, I know powerlifting has become kind of our thing, but strength, but strength training in general is so important that it took you from 
you know, like a, a, a decent high school player to, you know, you won Biggie's pitcher of the week a whole shitload of times and then going on to the minor leagues. And like, and, and I know like, I'm going to pump you up a little bit here, but like, if it weren't for fucking COVID, maybe you'd, you would be playing either still playing minor, or maybe you would have moved up, but like, you kind of got screwed. Um, but no, I mean, like, like training wise, like you said, like it's, it, it is like hyper important. I mean, and actually I'm, I'm kind of like, when you were talking about that, I'm kind of intrigued, like you talking about like, cause we started together 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. 2014. Like, yeah. And the amount of stuff that I like would do differently now than what I did then is wild. But like, what do you do? Like on this on the strength and conditioning side for like what you're doing with the Reds now, like what do you? What's the same? What's different than what we did? What's crazy different? What's you know? I mean, the the one of the things that I'm really really proud of with what we do, especially on the FNC side with with the Reds and specifically in the rehab department, which is the group that I work primarily with, right? Um, I'm not our strength coach, but I work hand in hand with with our strength coach. And it's um, arguably the the most important thing guys get out of rehab. They essentially get locked in the weight room for a year if they have surgery. It's like, congratulations, it's going to be a year before you play again. You better come out an adult this time, right? Um, and uh, we get time to... Um, progress guys through phases where they can really chase strength for a while because they don't have any skill specific needs in terms of actually being able to compete, right? The the vast majority of their training economy is being spent in the training room and in the weight room. Um, and uh, our athlete population is uh, very much generally stronger than, than I was when I, was in high school, college, or even frankly, when I was in pro ball. Um, but a lot, a lot of the stuff that we were doing, even in the garage is stuff I walk through the weight room and recognize, right. Um, guys are, uh, guys are lifting. We're, we're doing upper lower splits for the most part. Um, a lot of single leg stuff, which was stuff that you introduced to me pretty early um given uh your relationship and following of eric cressy and what they were doing up in massachusetts um and uh yeah it's um and other than that man was is the the culture in the weight room is something that i recognize from from gpt too which frankly that that was the number one thing that made the difference for me it was it, like it became an expectation to show up Right. And I, I think if I had just tried to work out at LA fitness or something on my own, even if somebody good had been writing my program, the likelihood that I would have been bullied into showing up six days a week for eight plus years is not super high. And that was ultimately what it took for me. I had to be there every single day or it, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work. And with, you know, with the Reds, especially in the rehab department, we had we kind of a captive audience, right? We make them show up every day, so uh, you know they're um, 
and then we we can specialize in different ways um, based on uh, specific needs of the athlete, whether they're a hitter or a pitcher. Um, we have programs in place that identify kind of the the main stressors on their delivery or what have you, right? So if if a guy um, is, has extremely high um, use of the peck as he delivers uh, the ball relative to other players, we're going to, you know, um, we know that, right? And so the we're communicating with SNC and and the and the medical side on on the specificity of stuff like that. That's the weirdest thing for me because I mean, like, I've been removed from baseball long enough that a lot of it is kind of wild to me. But like, the technology used to be able to understand so much more of what's going on. Yeah. Um. I mean, even not even the strength and conditions side, but like, even just thinking of the stuff like spin rate, like that wasn't a thing when I was playing and it would have been interesting. Like, you know, like I always just grew up in like guys threw heavy balls or light balls and like I threw a heavy ball, you threw a heavy ball. And it was just like, and now I realize, well, that, well, that has something to do with spin rate. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know that back then. And now like, now you guys have so much technology to figure out different things um, or even the mechanics. Like I used to think about just mechanics were fairly simple and now you hear like how much more detailed they are of like, you know, with, with the lead leg and how you're landing and how you're rotating through. And there's just, there's so much more difference in what we know than what we used to. So, I mean, like, and again, this is not my world so much anymore, but like if I was going to be coaching you now, it's like you could use all that stuff to get even more detailed. Um, like you said, like what you're doing in the mechanics where back then it was more general, like, mm-hmm. you know, get really strong on single leg, get really strong through rotation control your core, make sure your arm doesn't fall off. That was, you know, that, like that, that's what we knew. Now you guys can do so much more. It's wild. And like the guys that you said, like the guys you get, you're getting now, like just players in general come in and just throw the ball hundred miles per hour. Like it's such a different athlete than what it was even 10, 15 years ago that it becomes like, it's, it's getting different in what you have to do. I think that's true. And I think, ultimately like thinking back to what we did um strong on single leg strong through rotation the core strength to stand up to it all make sure me make sure my arm didn't fall off right like it that ends up kind of specific right yeah um and and i think that uh i think i personally benefited from being around a lot more of the powerlifting uh style because ultimately what i needed was just strength um and i we see that in our population too right guys tend to be bucketed between let's be honest you just need to get stronger like absolute value stronger is better for you and then the guys we we have some people walk in the door that look absolutely ridiculous and are strong to match it. And we're like, okay, we, you are a strong person. We need you to stay strong. Um, but we can get a little bit more detailed or maybe there's, there's mobility or specific movement patterns that, that you need to access that, you know, we we're, we're better off focusing our time on, uh, Mm -hmm. doing that because, you know, like, you know, the, we, we've got guys who just can pull 600, right? Yeah. And it's like, 
training beyond that in a professional athlete setting is just showing off. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if it was just strength, then Brian would have the highest fastball of the four of us right now. Um, but he doesn't. No, uh, don't. It's me. It's me. Um, <laughs> it's me. Um, but um, no, it, you're right. I mean, like, it, there's the, there are d- d- diminishing returns of like, if you're taking a pro player from deadlifting 500 to 600, is it worth the the time and the effort <clears> to do that, or can you be doing something else that's going to have more benefit? But on the other hand, bringing them from deadlifting 200 to 400, that matters. Like. There's no guys in the league that should be trap barring under 400. And I'm sure there's a bunch. Um, and there's probably a lot of guys that shouldn't be trap barring under 500. But, you know, again, like, are they, if they're pulling six or seven, does it matter? Probably not. Um, you know, Anthony that we have, who's at Penn State right now, um, he came in and he's the opposite of you. Anthony started with me at like 6'3, 260 when he was 17 years old. Um, by the time he was 18, he trap barred 600, you know, beltless, just pulled 600, not that hard. And then we immediately backed off on trap bar and started doing other stuff. And he's like, no, I want to pull more. I said, it does, I don't care. Who cares? Who cares if you pull 700? But then we started doing, you know, like real, like SSB lunges and giant camera bar reverse, you know, front squat reverse lunges. And like, he went to school, like he was doing SSB lunges with like 275 per leg for sets of eight. Like that, I think is going to carry over more. Um, but like I said, like it, it depends on the person. If you weighed one sixty, then we would be doing different stuff. Um, but no, like you said, and then I think the mindset too. Like it, a lot of guys, like I don't know, you, you find with athletes, like they want to do their sport, but lifting is not fun. So being around us, where we were just a bunch of jackasses, and you were like fifteen years old, uh, whether or not that was. Uh, legal for a lot of stuff we did um is questionable um but i remember like you know your senior year coach hart like said i don't know what you did with simon but he's like a different person this year and i was like you don't want to know um (laughs) and he didn't mean physically he meant like just your demeanor was different because you were around like you said you're around this group of guys that like there was athletes there with you too but it was it was starting to transition i think a little bit more into powerlifting at that point um, and you were with guys that were five to 10 years older than you and were a lot stronger and were not nice about it to you. And, but not like in a way that was like, don't come back was like in a way of like, no, do this and get better. Um, and I think that's like, that's a big thing that like, you know, for athletes that don't always have that in the weight room because it's not, it's not what they want to do. You know, I don't think most of those guys on your team probably actually want to be in the weight room. They want to be on the field, um, but they kind of have to be. Right. No, that's that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And you're right that the the group was transitioning kind of more heavily towards powerlifting as uh, you know, as I got older in high school and as the gym moved, right? But like functionally what that meant was that the training environment stayed the same right when bucks and corso stopped playing high school football they kept lifting and there there was an intensity to that training that i didn't see again until i got to pro ball honestly like that wasn't that was an that was a that was frankly a professional training environment people were showing up and 
attacking that kind of work with an intensity as if it was their job. And I didn't see that again, literally until it was my job. Right. And, and that like, ultimately you can debate the merits of hyper-specificity in, in uh, sports-specific strength training or just get stronger or anywhere in between. And I'm sure there's very, very nuanced conversations that you can have specifically inside of powerlifting, but ultimately none of it matters if you're not just showing up every single day. How good the program does it, is doesn't matter if you get through two weeks of it and then miss a week and then you come back for another week and then you're out for six, right? I can write you a mediocre strength program. And if you're there for a year straight, you're going to get stronger or hurt because I'm not a strength coach, but you know what I mean? Like that's, and, and that was, that was what I think we all got there. Um, and in the early, in the early days and, and, and as, as the gym grew. Yeah. I, I mean, I said literally the other day, the gym was like a bad program done with reckless abandon is going to be better than a perfect program done half-ass. 100%. Um, so just like I said, there's some things that I probably wrote for you 15 years ago that I would not do now. Do you remember the Widowmaker sets? Yeah. Yeah. 20 rep squat <laughs> sets to end, to end the workout. Um, that I don't think I would probably do that. Um, I mean, you didn't, you didn't squat like I would probably stay with SSB and trap bar. And now we've got the belt squat. I'd probably have you belt squat, but like, I wouldn't have you do the power lifts um, because as a pitcher, I wanted to take care of your arm so much. I didn't want, you know, and like people argue like, Oh, the bench is fine for your arm. I'm like, it might be, it might be fine for a, a, a power lifter, but a power lifter doesn't have to move their arm like a pitcher does. So I'm not going to put a pitcher through something that might not be great. Like, that's the problem is like, I think people are like, well, it's good for you. I'm like, it could be good. It could be bad for what you were doing. It probably wasn't going to be good. Um, yeah. For most of these guys, it's going to be fine. But like, we can be way safer by doing dumbbells and get away with it. And I know you asked me several times about bunching. I was like, no, too bad. Um, I feel like there wasn't that like difference though. Like you, when everyone, even when like uh, before you, I think, left to, to play like in Arizona I think it, it was you did like the same stuff it didn't seem like your training was that much different and we still do a lot of that same stuff that you might have focused on like we still do heavy lunges and we still do like a lot of the same uh exercise that you did it, it didn't seem that different I didn't look over and like oh look what Simon's doing like we'd make jokes sometimes but like it's not that different right like it's it's just getting stronger for sure that's, that's, that's definitely true. Especially that, that first off season after pro ball, right. When, when that, the, Oh, come on, man. Uh, when <laughs> the, uh, the, the strength, not that I was strong, but I wasn't like so, so weak anymore. And we, 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 we kind of started to have a little bit of fun, you know what I mean? And that was, uh, the gym had grown to a point where uh, some of the options we had equipment wise because of some of the other guys in, in the gym between the strongman stuff and the powerlifting stuff and the, and the sports specific stuff that was like all kind of catered to there. Like some of that, um, 
what was it? The the giant camber bar reverse squats and stuff like that. Uh, re reverse lunges rather. Um, and, and some of that stuff, like we, we started to really get after it. And then I would, I would see stuff like that showing up in other guys' programs, usually more as accessory work for, for powerlifters and stuff. But there was, there was major strength carryover and totally athleticism carryover for, for me with, with, with a lot of that, um, a lot of that stuff. Some of the PVC pipe benching we were doing in the garage, right? Like there was, there for was you a lot of stuff. It's what the bamboo bar is now, which we actually talked about like I think last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, we did we didn't own a bamboo bar, so we bought a PVC pipe and hung weights from bands off of it. And we had now to we, it now it's a little bit for, safer. For me. It's wildly safe. <laughs> yeah, not we used a pretty thick PVC so it wouldn't snap in half and kill someone. Um now we have the bamboo bar that's a lot safer, but it's the exact same idea. The difference is the bamboo bar is about three thousand percent more expensive. Than the PVC that we bought, um, it's a little bit nicer. Um, no, I mean, like, yeah, the I I say this over and over. I think I, I try to think of people as like, as when you come to the gym, is like you're a human first, you're an athlete second, and then like, what are you from there? So for the powerlifters, it's human athlete powerlifter. For you, it would have been human athlete baseball player. Like, you can be athletic but not be a sport. Like, there's lots of guys that are just super athletic but like maybe not super skilled. Um, and to me, like, you have to train that, st like, as a human, you need to be able to, go, you know, move through full range of motion and to be able, like, you know, you know, walk on the treadmill without your heart exploding and things like this that are, like, fairly simple things um, that lead into being an athlete. And like you said, like, those lunges and stuff like that were, for you, the main movement. But for the other guys that were powerlifting, it's their secondary movement because you can still get strong doing them. It still makes, excuse me, makes you a better athlete. But, but because they were powerlifting, they had to squat, bench, and dead. Um, where for you, you didn't have to do those. Your thing was just about getting better for baseball. And since nothing in baseball is bilateral, like why do squat, bench, and dead, which is all bilateral? I would rather you do all the lunges and the, the single arm stuff. And I thought, and, you know, but it carried over. Like you said, the other guys could do that and get something out of it um, and be more athletic. And they said, then they're more powerful. So they're doing their thing. But then you're a baseball player. So you're, you were doing some drills that were specific to you. But really, your thing was also like at that point, you go practice, like go throw. That's the bigger thing. Like, so my job wasn't to like make you better at throwing, it was to make you stronger overall. So hopefully you could throw harder um, and last longer. And then you transfer it to baseball and you get better. Um, but yeah, we still do all that stuff now for the powerlifters. I mean, some people look at us like we're crazy because it doesn't look like we're powerlifting coaching. We're um, because I try to build in so much of that other stuff, but. I don't know. There's most coaches don't have people that have been with them for 15 years. Like I was talking to Bucks about that yesterday because he was at the gym and like, you know, he's going on 15 years training with me. And most trainers have you for somewhere from like one to five, maybe powerlifting coaches get you a little bit longer, but how many get them for 15? So like, I think doing that stuff is, it kind of keeps everyone around too, because it keeps you healthy, keeps you moving, keeps it not from being boring because powerlifting is boring. Um, we bring that up all the time. Like, you know, baseball is going to be a way more – baseball's not super exciting to watch, but um, it's way more exciting to play and way more exciting to watch than powerlifting. Um, and I'm not trying to put down powerlifting for all the people that actually do that, but, like, it's it's their thing. But there are ways that you can still get strong and not have to be squat bench dead, squat bench dead, squat bench dead. Yeah. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, right, but, like, 
there's a there's a variability in in some of those exercises that we were doing that I personally I would want to have to fall back on if I was a competitive powerlifter, right? Like if I've had to do uh some of those like reverse lunges and walking lunges that we were doing with the bars swinging this way and that, right? I hit the bottom of a squat uh on my third attempt and my knee starts to cave in. I want to have done some of that stuff. Um yeah right like uh, i don't know i i i kind of i i saw that as like almost durability training for the strength sports and strength training for me mm -hmm. that's a good way yeah. to put it i mean that's oh. it's 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 different you know that we always we've gone back to this all the time is that powerlifting is so uh people feel they need to fit the specific parameters to train powerlifting and uh we're still just like trying to get strong so like the shit that we did the shit that you did that like, we still do it and it, it still God, makes it more exciting uh, like I, it, it's getting i think us being powerlifters would watch like you and anthony and sean and everyone like go really heavy on safety squad bar lunges and be like i should my sport is being strong i should be able to do that yeah um, and it's it's a different kind of way to look at it, but it made it just it wasn't just the same shit uh, it made it have different goals and different kind of aspirations in the gym yeah oh i'm sort of curious uh because at least with baseball there's an off season and i'm assuming it's the off season where you start really addressing essentially what you've learned throughout the season like oh this person gets stronger here or we need to work on something so my question to you simon is how do you address that in the off season and then for ryan let's in a hypothetical world say that there was a powerlifting off season. What would you be doing? Like after, like, what would you want to be learning throughout the powerlifting season to then address in the off season for powerlifting? If that existed. So, uh, this, this is, uh, goes back to my job before the reds. I worked at a private facility out here in Arizona where our, our primary business was the pro off season right? Guys would come at the end of the year living in Phoenix for the off season. And, um, we would have them essentially until spring training. Right. And you're right. A lot of the stuff is kind of corrective. So guys show up after a major or minor league season, pretty banged up. Um, and so there's, there's a healing component to it. Right. But if you think about sort of the progression of it, you start with strength and you move towards speed because baseball happens at speed. Right. And, and so we would, uh, the strength coaches, uh, there, the place is called push performance. Those guys are, they do, a, they do a great job still, even though I don't work there anymore. Um, uh, they, we, we would always talk about how guys would kind of start throwing bullpens while they were still kind of in strength phases in the weight room. And they'd be like, what the hell, man, my velocity's down or I just feel like I'm moving slow. And, you know, we would, we would just look at their strength programming and be like, well, yeah, you're, you're at the tail end of like a heavy, heavy, heavy phase in the weight room. And all of your lifts are up X, right? We're about to cut the weight down and go fast. And in six weeks, you're going to go to spring training stronger and throwing harder than you ever have before. 
you're just not having a lot of fun right now. And I'm sorry, but that's what December is for, right? Um, and that that's that's really the way we did it there. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot more nuance to that. And um, and again, the the sort of bit that fills in the gaps is is that sort of healing component. And we had uh, physical therapists that worked out of that gym as well. Um, and uh, so kind of kind of meshing the three, right? Preparing the throwing arm to have the capacity to compete for an eight month season, building the strength and athleticism base that would allow you to increase your level of performance and then healing and correcting the movement patterns that um, sort of get fatigued or banged up over the course of a year. Um, but that's, that's generally the off season structure um, that, that we did when I was there and it, and it's functionally the same uh, with the reds. We do a little bit of different stuff and, and we don't get our guys in person nearly as much. We're sort of communicating with them from afar. Um, so that changes things. People go back to the gyms that they have in their hometown the way I did when I played and when I went back to GPT, right? Yeah, I mean, baseball season's a little, especially as a pitcher, is a little, a little weird because you do some pretty nasty things to your body during the season, like I said, for eight months. So getting getting healed and, you know, picking up some range of motion back in the shoulder that, you know, you really leaned into external over the season and your elbow starts to get a little funky on how much you can actually extend and getting all that back is super helpful. Cause like you said, if, if you're working with guys that are hurt and they're not playing, they're not super helpful. Um, and that's not a great way to stay on the roster if you're constantly hurt. Um, so staying healthy is obviously a big one. Um, but yeah, the off season is, I try to think of it as like, where do we, um, what buckets are you lacking? Um, both for baseball or for politics. So like in baseball, like at the end of the season, you're probably beat up. You're probably moving very quickly. Um, like you said, like, I mean, everything's power and speed, but your strength is probably pretty far down. Uh, Tony Gwynn used to talk about how he'd start the season 20 pounds overweight. And by the end, he'd still be 10 pounds underweight. Cause it's just a, it's a grueling season. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to get you healthy. We're trying to get your weight back up. We're trying to get your strength back up. We're trying to get your general endurance back up, not just your like pitching endurance. Um, so we're filling all those buckets that you need help on. You're already fast and powerful. We don't need to work on that right now. Like that's your strength. Leave that, like, leave that off to the side. For powerlifting, it's a little bit weird because like the off season is really our building season. Like when do you get strong? You get strong in the for powerlifting in the off season. Um, that's what people refer to it as because like the meat prep is like in season. But like it's your your off season in powerlifting is is arguably the more important one because peaking you're just getting good at what you're already doing. You're not actually building anything, so it's almost reversed. It's a little bit weird, um, but it's the same idea of what buckets do you need to work on? If you're, if you're at the bottom of your weight class, I want to get you bigger. If you're at the top of your weight class, then maybe I want to keep you there, but I want to, I want to lean you out a little bit more. Or, you know, like I said, maybe you're lacking in a certain position, a certain movement. Like we're going to work on that a little bit more. We're really going to build your, your inefficiencies, your weaknesses in the off season, you know, more far away from a meet. And then as we get closer, we're going to get more specific. So just like what Simon said, like, you know, 12 weeks out from spring training, you don't, no one cares how hard you're throwing in December. Like it's cool, but if you're throwing a hundred in December and you burn out in June, you're kind of a waste. Um, 
I mean, and I and I don't know how much this has changed like for you guys with baseball, but like I remember, I never used to throw in December. December was like that was my time off. November, December did not throw. Late December, early January is like I'd start, you know, start throwing again, kind of build it up. So that way, when I got to like our spring training, which high school and college is obviously different than the pros, but like I would walk on the field already throwing pretty hard, and then by the time the season starts, I'm back up to like full strength. And I'm throwing hard again, but like, who cares what I'm throwing in December? Like, I think that's what I think too many baseball guys are worried about what they throw in the cage or what their exit velo is in the cage. Who gives a shit? What do you do on the field? Um, and that's the same thing with power team we talk about all the time. Like, it's cool to hit PRs in the gym, but like, if you're actually powerlifting, which means you have to do a meet, otherwise, you're not a powerlifter, um, it matters what you do on the platform. Like if you deadlift a PR and then training, that's cool, but do it on the platform where it actually counts. Same thing like I said for baseball. Like if you're throwing 96 in the bull, you know, in in uh in the cage in the offseason, and then come June, you're throwing 91 because you're burnt out, you're not super helpful. Uh, you know, you're working your way into into the injured in, injured list or be just being on the bench because you're not good enough. So timing it is so important. Um, so like I said, Sai, it's a little bit weird because like our off season is the important season. Um, and the weird thing with baseball is the off season is so short. It's so short. Um, I don't think people realize like, you know, 162 game regular season. I know minors is a little bit different, but 162 game season plus spring training plus early, early ball for some of those guys to come in plus playoffs, depending on if you make it. Plus winter ball, if you get sent down to the Dominican or something like that. I mean, some of these guys are playing for 11 months. They're not getting a lot of time off. So that you don't, that time that you have to like fill those buckets is so small that if we can build a base and even if we can try to maintain it during the season, it's helpful. Um, you know, and tell, tell a lot of kids like if you can train once or twice a week in season, that's going to, that's going to be so much more important than zero. Like, even if you only get one day in, you're going to be better off than if you do none. I'm sure you guys, even, I'm sure that even the guys that are pitching, like not in, not injured, I'm sure they're still training during the season, not nearly as hard. 100%. But they're probably getting in at least a couple days a week. 100%. I mean, we, we talk a lot about guys having sort of like a chronic workload built up. And this goes for throwing, it goes for lifting, it goes for arm care exercises, right? Like if you have a strong enough base where you can train and not be smoked for the next week, right? Then you can train in season, right? But if you let that chronic workload, your 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 workload capacity dip too far, then when you do then you're going to start to hemorrhage strength. But but also when you do finally get back into the weight room, you're going to get cooked, right? We do the same thing with some of the, like the shoulder care exercises, right? Like if you stay on top of it, the shoulder care exercises shouldn't make you sore. But if you bang it for two weeks in a row, and then you show back up in the training room, you're like, oh, better do my shoulder care. Your arm's going to hurt for a week, right? What did you think was going to happen, right? Same thing with throwing. If you take two months off and then try and go throw a bullpen, right? Like you got to ease back into it, but you also have to have the throwing capacity built up, right? When I was playing, I, I would be able to throw six, seven, eight innings uh, in college and 
like play catch the next day. I like, I didn't like it. It wasn't fun, but you know, you, if you're, if you're throwing every day, then when you throw a lot, you're, you still can kind of handle it. Um, the off season point you made Ryan too is, is interesting, right. About like what guys are doing in December versus what guys are doing in spring training versus what guys are doing in the season. And so much of that, frankly, at, at our level depends on, depends on the the level of the athlete, right? Like some guys have to make a club in spring training. So you better show up in the middle of February, ready to go. Right. Otherwise you're like, none of that matters. Right. Some guys know they're on the club. So nothing matters until April. Not, not nothing matters, but like they, they need to start peaking in April. That peak point happens later. Some guys are free agents and they need to be throwing 96 in December. Otherwise they're not going to have a job. Right. And, and I, I would assume the sort of cycle of meets is pretty similar in powerlifting, right? Like, like, what do you need to qualify for? What, like how, how far, like how close to your peak do your numbers have to be to qualify for what you want to do this year? Right. Like, do you have to peak three times because you have to keep like sort of at the top of your game to qualify for nationals, that kind of stuff. Right. Or can you kind of phone in a local meet and your numbers are going to be good enough and then you peak for nationals, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, and that's a good point of like what level you're at. Um, someone like, I, like, you know, Stephanie, like um, she's doing rising tides, which is a, a big meet in June here. So when most people are going to be doing regionals to try to gear up to try to qualify for nationals for next year, she's not going to do that. She's going to do rising tides because she's going to try to win a bunch of money. Um, so we're going to peak pretty hard for that one because like she doesn't need to go balls to the wall all the time for like these local meets. She can, she can take it easy on some of those and and pick her battles where, like you said, like some people, like they have to go all out or they're, or they're it's over before it even starts. So you're right. I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, you've got guys in the, like on the reds that they know next year, like, well, in not next year, in like a month or two, they're on the team. They know who's starting. Um, you know, and some of the guys as they got older, like they know, like, okay, free agent, like, am I going to sign somewhere? Am I done? And you're right. <clears> if you're a young guy, like, and this is the same thing I thought about with you was like, when you were younger, I was willing to push you way harder than when you came home from minor league ball. Minor league ball, I wanted to make sure, first and foremost, that like you were healthy. So when you got out to training, you weren't beat up. But when you were in high school, I was like, no, I'm going to beat the crap out of you because like, High school ball is fine, but your goal was not high school ball. So I was willing to push you a lot harder then to get you to college, to get you to the pros. And once you're in the pros, it's like, okay, let's not screw this up. Like you still have to get better, but maybe we don't need to be doing 315 pound lunges because if you blow out something like, or you hurt something, like I said, then you you show up for spring training and you're hurt, you're done. Especially as a minor league guy, you're in, and if you're an undrafted non-contract guy, they're not going to give you, they're not going to give you the time of day. If they've got a couple million dollars in you, that's a little bit different. Um, but otherwise they're going to be like, yeah, see you later. And they'll just move on. Um, power thing. Obviously you don't have to worry about that because none of us are worth that much money. So, but it's, yeah, it, it's, you know, finding that right time to peak accordingly. So it, yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but you know, as a, as someone like Tony Gwynn, he was trying to peak for September, October. Right. He wasn't trying to peak in June. He didn't give a shit about it in June. In June, he'd be batting 340, but in September when he was batting 370, 
that's what mattered for him. Um, right. But he yeah, could like show said, up like, twenty pounds overweight because if he hit two ninety in April, he was still going to be hitting three forty in June. Yeah. So like in like you said, some of the guys on, that are on the roster now for you, like I mean, because the Reds have a couple young studs um, yeah, that they're going to be there. Sick. Yeah, they're like they're not gonna. They're they're going to be on the team, um, yes. but that means they need to be ready to play a eight month season at a very high caliber the whole time, not just like not just stroll in. They but they know they're on the team, so they don't have to worry about as much in December. They can kind of get themselves ready, take their time. They've got a little bit extra time than some of these minor league guys that are that, like you said, they're trying to make the team. So, you know, so when you show up and I mean, you guys got to be starting pretty soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, next week. Yeah. So I would say, so spring training is next week. Like, if you're trying to make the team, you better walk in on day one pumping. If you're not, yeah. if you're walking in day one throwing 91 and they're like, why aren't you throwing 98 right now? You're going right back to the minors, if not worse. But if you're the number one starter on the team from last year, they don't really care for throwing 98 right now. If you're throwing 91, they might be a little nervous. Why are you throwing so slow? But if you're throwing 95, they're like, all right, you'll crank it up soon. Yeah. Um, and that's where it gets a little bit weird with like the you know, sports is that depending on your level, it matters more. Um, and I say a little bit for powerlifting, but um, more so obviously for baseball, especially with the amount of levels there are and how much different the game can be one step to the next. Yeah. I remember when I was playing, we used to – uh, when the minor league games would end earlier in the day or minor league practice would end earlier in the day, we would like hustle up to the, to watch the big league games. Some of our buddies would be, you know, getting a chance in a big league spring training game or something like that. And, and every year Mike Trout would show up at the beginning of spring training and he would be taking hacks in the cage at like 75% speed. And then his first couple games in spring training, he would, you know, ground out to shortstop or pop up to second and, you know, just kind of getting his feet under him and then every year like clockwork right around march 15th it was like oh my god right and it was just like oh he's gonna be ready in two weeks like nobody needed to worry um and i i think that's that's kind of kind of one end of it and then like exactly you know some guys need to show up and and prove a point and make, and make a club what else you got syed I got nothing. I'm just here. I'm like, hanging you, out. You, usually we like you can see in um, all of our podcasts. Anytime we have someone like we'll be going pretty well. We'll be talking. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, they're like someone says something, and there's just an immediate lull. And that's usually the end point. <laughs> it's hard to come back after that and be like, "Here's a new question." After we were all done. Well, I mean, saying that, do any of you have a question? I mean, I don't know. Like a, a question. I think the the. The parallels that you are uh, probably not realizing you're presenting uh, to our world is is pretty clear. Like it's it's you know, uh, I've had many conversations like you've had with people like you don't need to be throwing that hard right now. Uh, the same thing like you don't need to be lifting a hundred percent of your max right now. It's not needed, um, and uh, I think you know maybe we have like an identity problem in our sport. It's not professional sport, but it's the same in like most sports it's the same conversations it's just looks a little different so uh it's you know makes it kind of clear and evident that uh we have these same struggles just with a lot less money and interest 
behind us. I don't us. know. I made I made very, very little money in the minor leagues. Still more than us. <laughs> the the amount of money you us. made in the minors is still infinitely more than most powerlifters. That's, but, I that's mean, fair. And also slightly less than Shohei Otani. Just just a scouch. <laughs> like every pitch he throws is more than what you've ever made in baseball. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true though. And I, I, I remember having some of those conversations with Ryan when I played too. Not very many because me lifting 100% of my max still, nobody would like look over and be like, I don't know, that might be too heavy. Um, but, uh, right, it's like, hey, dude, like at some point you do have to recover. Right. So, you know, side with the off season question. Right. And, and frankly, with just like overall improvement at any skill, especially that requires a certain work capacity, right. Like you have to tax the system and then you also have to recover. Right. So like I was talking about like pitching one day and still playing catch the next, that's me going absolute max intensity and then just, moving my arm a little bit the next day right it's there you have to have sort of a gradient nature to your training whatever you're doing or you will plateau right and and we've we've seen that a ton with our pitchers especially on the minor league side with some of the ways we're able to track what they do right the guys who go and burn it out every day they might not get hurt but they at best hover at like 90, 90% of what we think they're capable of. And at worst, they kind of like hang out at 90% and then they start to take a nosedive. Right. And that's a lot of times it's like young professionals that don't know any better. A lot of times it's ego. And a lot of times it's a combination of the two. Right. But like, you're not going to impress anybody in catch play, brother. Like, handle your shit like a professional and go out and throw 98 in the game when people are watching. Um, and I I think looking back on my career, that's one of the things I would have uh, told my younger self for sure is I had such an inferiority complex, especially walking into GPT every day that I was going to redline my lifts if anybody let me every single day. And there was a time where that was right, right? Like Ryan said, when I was in high school, and then there was a time where I needed to start tapering off and sort of building in those undulations where I could have probably gotten to better strength gains if I would have let myself sort of recover and then shoot up again. And I, I did the same thing in my throwing program. I did the same thing, um, like kind of in my uh, in all aspects of my career and it worked up until a point. And then what I really, really, really needed. And I, and I got some of this in pro ball because Ryan basically beat it into me was show up to the gym and just move, but don't lift heavy. Right. I, those, those were the, the movement days when I'd be prancing around the middle of the gym and everybody would give me shit. Right. But that was one of my best off seasons for strength gains. And the reason was, is like, I didn't absolutely redline every single lift Ryan put in my, uh, in my program. Right. I didn't 
I wasn't peeling myself up off the floor after every lower body day. Right. And that, uh, that's absolutely like the number one advice I would give to any athlete in any sport is when you're training, there's times to send it and there's times to just move. And, and if you can, if you can strike the balance of that undulation and kind of learn that early, like your trajectory will be far more linear and upwards than otherwise. Yep. That's the same. With the same with that's the place. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. That, that you're right. I mean, that's, that's, this. that's, uh, that's summed up really well. And that's the same with, I wish that we could get across to, to, uh, people in our world is, uh, you know, if it, uh, maybe because our sport is so simple and uh, our training is so is our sport uh, looks the same, but you know that's the same thing. Same thing for baseball, same powerlifting, same every sport is uh, maybe show the fuck out sometimes. Yeah, I so I'll, I'm hoping this will be kind of my mic drop moment, but uh, the we have we have two rules in in our rehab department that it's sort of the. The, what we say, the, the first one is uh, don't embarrass us. And that comes from our, from my predecessor, basically saying the standard of work, the standard of expectations, you carry that on, don't embarrass us, right? The second one I stole directly from Ryan and it's don't do dumb shit. And, <laughs> and probably five times a week, whether it was in the garage or once the gym became a little bit more of a buttoned up operation, uh, he would just look over at me and be like, don't do dumb shit. Whatever you're about to do, stop. Right? And uh, and maybe you guys are too showtime now. Ryan's actually got employees, and he's he's not running around the gym telling people to stop doing dumb shit. But, no, he still does. But, uh, I do, yeah. But, I do. <laughs> but ultimately, right, like that's, that's the answer. Just bully them into it. Don't do dumb shit. But it's weird because like, you know, it, so if you think about like younger kids, like you try like when you started, like I think I'd say this to a lot of parents for athletes is that everyone gets it at some point that this is important to do and to train and not just play their sport. The problem is most of them get it too late. They don't do it when they're 14. They don't do it throughout high school. They get to college and their college coaches are like, oh, you're pathetic and you need to start doing stuff. And then, but now you're already four years behind. You could have been four years ahead. Um, and then if you're good enough to get to that next level and then you get there and you realize like, whoa, these guys are built. Like, you know, there's very few guys. Like I remember, I think about like, I went to see um, Justin Berlander pitch years ago and he gets on the mound and you're looking at him. You're like, man, he's not that big. Dude's huge. It's just that he's six, five. So he doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's this, but he's like six, five, two forty. He's huge. And like, and he's strong, but like, you don't, it's, you, you don't, so, so many athletes get it too late and understand too late. But then, like you said, like the, you know, being new to it and the ego. And I think they, it's learning how to act like a professional and understand the timing aspect of this becomes so much more important of like, you know, the amount of guys that do poverty meets and then the week later do YOLO lifts and they wonder why they're all fucked up after that. Because it's like, well, I did my meet last week. So this week I'm going to pull on a deadlift bar with straps at 100 pounds and see how it goes. Oh, man, my back hurts. Like, it's the same kind of thing. 
Yeah, like you, like when you're pitching, you don't need to go out and pitch the next day. It's fine. You don't need to go out and deadlift the next day. Like, I'll go with that. Don't do dumb shit. It's fine. Like, it's there's a place for it, and your coach is going to lead you into that. Like we, you know, I said we're leading for a meet on meet day. We're gonna. That's when we want you to blow it out. But if you blow it out a week early or two weeks early, then it goes terribly. Now, at least in baseball, you get five days. You get to do it again. In powerlifting, it might not be three, four, five, six months before you get to do it again on the platform. At least if you have a bad outing, five days later, you're out there again. But if you have a really bad outing, you might not get put out there again. And then and then it's like, now you're done, right? Um, so don't be an idiot. Don't do stupid stuff like, like outside the, like the game that's going to affect – like do it when it counts. Like you said, if you're like in, I like the idea of like, and I, and I know you were playing professionally, so it's different, but being a professional, like even for powerfuls, we're not getting paid, but if this is your thing, act like it. Don't go out there and screw around like and treat it like, like if you're going to put the time and effort into getting good at something, then do it accordingly. Don't just be a moron and do, do dumb shit. Exactly. You heard it here first. Makes performance <laughs> training. Number one, don't do dumb shit. Number it's two, <laughs> you should have just gone back in time and came in earlier. So why are you waiting for? Come to Lisa Performance Training. Achieve your dreams. Number three, Simon, thank you for coming. Thank you, Simon. Do you have anything you want to plug? Do you want to give any shout outs? We're here. This is your time. No, just uh, I'm, I'm really thankful to uh, have been invited on the illustrious podcast. Um <laughs> All glad, 50 I'm, viewers would I'm, are gonna lose their rights. I'm I'm so incredibly glad that you pressed the record button because the tone of the way Ryan speaks to me when it's actually on the record is <laughs> it's wildly different. And that was really fun for me. <laughs> I'm uh, getting old. I'm getting old. Uh no, just uh I I I tell people about GPT a lot. It's kind of a foundational place for me and my understanding of uh, what it means to work hard. Um, and that kind of has been my calling card throughout my playing and now my coaching career um, is like, I not, might not be the most talented guy, but I'm going to be that guy who keeps showing up. Um, and I learned that from uh, Carl and Carl and Bucks and Corso and all those pieces of shit in the garage. Uh <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm forever grateful to that place um, for 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 all of that, and so uh, happy to see how well how well the gym seems to be doing, and uh, trying to at some point get home so that I can show my very real fiance uh, GPT, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and and kind of the dirty, grimy, amazing place that uh, made my minor league baseball dreams come true. Nice.